Hello, I'm John Kelly and this is a podcast of Mystery Train. For rights reasons, the music is shorter than in the original programme. Mystery Train hits the rails Sunday to Thursday at 7pm on RTE Lyric FM. Unveiled it comes from Loa from uh, the EP uh, This Heart. And Loa is with me in studio. Hi, Loa. Hello. Really, really nice to meet you. I've just said I'm so out of the loop for the past while our paths uh, have not yet crossed. Well, but I've been watching your I've been watching your progress with interest. Ah, thank yeah. you. Now Loa's gonna pick some music for us tonight. Um we'll play some more of your own as well, if that's all right. Great. But you've you pick you brought in some great stuff. Um some of it. Some of it I know and love and some of it I don't know at all. So I'm looking forward to this. Oh, exciting. I was really um, thinking you'd know everything inside out. No, I just pretend to. <laughs> so that's uh, show business. So, Lord, just a little bit about yourself, because uh, as I was talking about you at the top of the programme, this thing about uh, Kenya, Maynooth, Gambia and Sierra Leone. <laughs> I know you've told this story a million times, but you may be new to some of our listeners here. And um, so where were you born exactly? It wasn't, it wasn't Maynooth and it actually wasn't Sierra Leone either, Mm-mm. was it? Right. No, I was born in Kenya. Um, uh, my parents were met in Africa and were travelling and I happened to be born there. But we then moved to London for a bit and then settled in Maynooth, where I grew up. But my mum's a Dubliner. She's from Crumlin. Right. My dad's from Sierra Leone. He's a country man from uh, <laughs> the Diamond District, actually, of Sierra Leone, Kono. Right. And uh, yeah, in a flight of universal fate or whatever you want to call it, they ended up meeting. And so we settled in Kildare and then spent some of my teen years back in West Africa, in Gambia and in Sierra Leone. Mm-hmm. So most of, your, most of your life is spent in Ireland. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely feel Irish at heart. I'm, I suppose I did. I went to a, the convent school in Maynooth. Um, did my communion and my confirmation and spent a few of my, yeah, the teen years are quite formative, but I think the damage was done at that point. Like. Yeah, but what was it like for, for any teenager to go anywhere else during their mm. teens is, is, is traumatic, isn't it? You're, yeah. you're uplifted from your sort of, your sort of, well, you're developing teenage cultural scene. Yes. And the scene that you're creating for yourself. And then you went off to West Africa, then at what age? Yeah, at 12. Right. Yeah. How was that? Yeah, it was traumatic, actually. It was, I think I cried for a year, like every day for a year. My mum was like, oh, my God, what have we done? But in a way, I kind of see it as that lovely Leonard Cohen quote, um, you know, where the cracks are, the light gets through, something like that. That certainly um, when you break apart your identity at a really crucial time, it you you have you can never go back to where, who you were, but you're never going to be the new thing either. So it's probably made me who I am today. Like, I feel very culturally fluid which is kind of an interesting space to exist in um, especially musically you know oh yeah. I mean, creatively big time big well let's time. let's talk about the the musical influences in just a little bit let's have your first track and uh, you've picked a singer called umu now i used to call her Sang- sangari but i think it's, it's sangari is it sangari sangari, yeah, sangari. Mm-hmm. and she's from mali she's from mali yes and uh, well, the, the track the track it comes from an album um, which was just called Umu. Actually, I was trying to find the title of it, but there is no title. It's mm-hmm. just called Umu. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on World Circuit, and this is. Oh, you tell me what this is. I want. I want to <laughs> get this right. Track three there. Track three. So we're going for Mugode Tiabe. You see, I, I would I would chance this every day of the week, but not with you. <laughs> no, not with you <laughs> sitting. Mugode, in, yeah. Not with you sitting in front of me. <laughs>
And that's the first call from our guest Loa tonight, a singer called Umu Sangare. And that's called again, what is it? Mogodetiave. Ah, beautifully done. <laughs> Listen, that particular album, uh, just bear with me for mm-hmm. a minute because I, I have this album and I think Umu Sangare has been listening to Stevie Wonder. Oh. Listen to this. This is superstition, completely and totally superstition. Anyway, I'll play that some night when you're not here. <laughs> oh, but great. That, that, that is superstition, isn't it? 100%. And yeah. the brass, the little yeah. brass interjection, yeah. definitely. Now listen, uh, um, Loa, when you were growing up in... Now you've, you've, you've lost me already. <laughs> when you were growing up in Kildare. Yes. What was the music in the house when you were a kid? Ah, so music in the house was um, a, a African music that my mum was listening to. Um, but hang on, your mum's a Dubliner. Right? She's a Dubliner okay. now, but because, yeah, I mean, she travelled in Africa and she's extremely wide ranging in her taste. We listened to loads of classical music. Um, she always had Lyric FM on, actually. And Bless her. Yeah. <laughs> loads of Tchaikovsky, um, a lot of Shostakovich, like every, especially Russian. Um, I just remember these big wailing sounds coming from out of the kitchen all the time while she was making stews. Obviously and then, a very happy household. A very happy household. And then upstairs, we, I was big into my folk and rock. My sister was like a proper punk queen, like Blink-182, the whole shebang, Nirvana. And my brother was like, he got into more techno later on. But yeah, we were, and we also all had our own huge sound systems, which mum bought for us. So we would literally all blare music at the same time in our rooms and she didn't mind brilliant it was really bizarre so your, your mum really did sort of not push music on you but she wanted you kids to listen to 100% right? yeah she drove us to every lesson like she got my older brother DJ Dex when he when he turned 16 I mean it was or t- even 13 maybe like so he was down with the Euphoria CDs like it was crazy and yeah we did saxophone lessons violin piano guitar drums ill and pipes tin whistles like ev- there was there were instruments everywhere Four wow. bedroom semi D, full of music. Unbelievable. Mm. Let's uh, let's have your next track because you mentioned you were upstairs listening to your folk and your rock. Was that what you might call classic classic stuff, classic, classic. rock? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so who were you into? Um, I got really into Leonard Cohen through So Long Marianne. Um, I, I listened to a good bit of Bowie, um, but mostly Leonard Cohen, Dylan, Joni Mitchell. I she completely broke my heart and put these and, and at what together. age by the way because sometimes I think you know you need to be a little bit just past 12 and 13 to yes. really get that stuff yes um, so realistically I didn't get into Joni till I was probably about 16 I think yeah but when we moved back to Kildare after we'd been away um, and my mum had mentioned this album Blue and I was like that woman sounds very sad <laughs> when I was you know when I was a bit younger and I think when I you know like pubescence I started to get it started to get sad um, started to get sad <laughs> yeah. and Blue is like there for you when you're ready um, and then I just have been exploring her my whole life and still have so much to explore You've picked a track from the Mingus album an album yeah. called Mingus mm-hmm. uh, which is an extraordinary oh, record extraordinary. I mean it really is Which track do you want? God must be a boogeyman (laughs) 
God must be Boogeyman from the uh, Mingus album from uh, Joni Mitchell, the choice of uh, Loa. When did when did you start hearing jazz, Loa? And you, this was in your house as well quite early uh, on. Oh, yeah. Mum um, was a big Weather Report fan, which uh, so links album. quite nicely. In, yeah, because Jaco and Peter Erskine feature on that album. Um, and there's a famous family story that my dad taped over her Weather Report stuff with like the most recent Now album. <laughs> <laughs> like Now 3 or something. <laughs> oh, oh, as opposed to Noya. I, th- I was hoping that's what it might have been at <laughs> no. least. Yeah, oh, so dear. very funny. Um, but yeah, so we heard, we would have heard jazz, but again, it definitely took a while for me to get into it. Like I, we would all listen to Ella Fitzgerald at home and Nina Simone and like all the singers. But your mum liked that kind of smooth fusion kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah, weather report. Big time. She yeah. was a big Weather Report fan. And then, but also was a huge fan of Ella just from a technical point of view. And she, she used to say, her voice, she can make it so effortless, but you know it's hard. You know, like she's ne- never trained musically or anything, but just had a great appreciation for the different approaches to the sound. So when did you start singing then? Um, I was singing the the convent choir as a child, um, but I didn't start singing. I started writing my own little things in, when we moved away to West Africa on the sly. Um, I always did piano lessons and I'd kind of secretly write songs. And then when we came home, yeah, it was all very under wraps, like Sally's yeah. singing, but it's un- I'm not known as a singer. But when you said, OK, you weren't known as a singer, you sang in the choir, but you didn't sing solo no, or any not of really. competitions yeah. or any of that? No, not really. Like the odd time I do a solo just because I was able to repeat the melodies back, but it wasn't yeah. because my voice was particularly charming. And um, when you were at home in the house of an evening listening to your records, would you would you sing along? With a Joni record or a Bob, you know, did you develop your own style or were you just copying those sorts of people? Definitely copying. And because a lot of what I like was this folk, folkier sound, it was all very light and un, it for me, it's unsupported. Um, I didn't go for this broad, deeper sound. I definitely kind of sp- spent a lot of time in the upper regions of my voice, like, ting, you know, very ethereal um, and not much character, really, because it was copying, you know. Um, and then it was when I went to college um and I, I was I kind of decided I wanted to start a band just for the crack and started a funk and soul band cover and um, found my personality. Um, yeah, in these no, you can't just you can't just sing little ethereal no. head voices in the middle of no, a soul and funk band. No. Absolutely so not. So you discovered your inner Aretha at that point. A hundred percent. Yeah. In uh, Lynn Collins, who, who worked with James Brown and uh, and a lot of Bill Withers. And we have a similar range. Bill Withers and I, I discovered. And I also discovered Tom York and I have a very similar range. Really? Um, yeah. Almost. Almost. We can, I think I can pretty much sing everything on all the records bar a little bit down the bottom. Can you hold a note as long as Bill Withers? Oh, no. <laughs> he was did, a carpenter. If you had said yes, I was going to get a stopwatch out. <laughs> no, definitely not going to lie on air about that one. Um, but yeah, so it was really interesting time to explore the colours of my voice. And um, I, I got a singing coach around then during my college years as well. So you really didn't know you could sing like that until oh, you formed no. a band? Yeah, no. Well, there you not. go. Mm. I suppose no, nobody ever really... Can't imagine everybody, everybody, it would occur to everybody to just try and sing like that even. So maybe we all could. Yeah, I mean, for I me, I might it was give it like... a go later. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, well, let's anyway, look, let's, let's, let's say, let's play your next piece of music. There's actually a strange, you mentioned Tom York, there's a kind of a Radiohead connection with this uh, Charles Mingus track you're going to play. Yes, so this Charles Mingus track track Freedom is really stunning. It starts in a certain mood and completely expands and explodes. Um, And apparently for 
pyramid song Radiohead basically copied the structure and even the feel, the swing, almost the chords. They just wanted to recreate that song. And Pyramid Song is one of my favorite tunes. And I, it was one of the first tunes I got my new singing coach to teach me. To okay, sing. this is Freedom from Charles Mingus. <laughs> there from Charles Mingus the choice of Loa who's with me in studio that's from the album Mingus 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 a track called Freedom uh, Loa just when you you know people listening to us talking now um, you're probably about a third of my age <laughs> and you're not just uh, way back in time musically speaking you mm-hmm. listen to all sorts and as the, as the night progresses we hear all sorts of music mm-hmm. um, we'll stay in kind of similar territory but um, I suppose a more modern a- approach to things Robert Glasper is a very interesting character records for Blue Note oh yes um, this album Black Radio just by sheer coincidence I've already played a track from it tonight The his version of Smells Like Teen Spirit mm-hmm. this one you've chosen Erica Badu is oh, the yes. singer she's quite something Oh, she is a queen in her own world, universe. I mean, she's probably one of my biggest influences as a performer, songwriter. And this is just an interpretation of a tune, but it's phenomenal. Afro Blue. Do you know who wrote this? You do, don't you? I do. You do? It's Mongo Santa Maria. (laughs) I never thought I'd see the day. We were just talking there, Loa, listening to that uh, Robert Glasper, Erica Badu version of Afro Blue, that, you know, sometimes when a type of music comes out, you're not necessarily ready for it yourself and it takes a while. I remember, t- I love that kind of music now, that sort of sound, but I remember when that sound first started to appear, or I started, first started to hear it, mm. kind of thinking, too smooth mm. for my, too smooth. And now, now I really like that kind of smoothness. I know, oddly enough, I, I'm the same. And now I feel it's a lot more edgy than I, I hear it differently. To, to what was there before and I don't know what has changed but I'm really glad yeah. <laughs> that I have But when you were when you started out uh, certainly on stage and playing soul funk mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm guessing it was sort of in James Brown's sort of territory totally. was it? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So um, uh, even though that's incredibly tight and yeah. precise yeah. it's never smooth I mean, Never you know. I had so much grit and rawness in that But mm-hmm. the smoothness thing would you, would you aspire to that now in your own act? Uh, yeah, more and more so. I've come away from that kind of raw, explosive tightness into a more c- sort of, uh, what would you even c- describe it as? It's more contained, the yeah. smoothness. And then it, it you generate this feeling and vibe, to use a very overused word, um, that people can smoothly step into. But you, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily grab you as instantly. That's potentially the downside. But once you get into it, it's, it's quite addictive um, and it's lovely and you can just stay in that space for a long time. So, yeah, I'm definitely um, gearing towards more of that. Yeah. Now, we're going to play another track of yours in just a moment. But before we do that, uh, we're going to play a track from Christian Scott, mm-hmm. who... The last one, I got his his a previous album of his on Blue Note. He was going under the name of what was it, Christian Scott Atunde Atunde Ajua. Ajua. Yeah, he still goes by that name. Right. Yeah. But, and what I'm interested in asking you then, like himself, mm. when you're making music now, creating music, are you conscious of heritage and all of that? Because mm. you've got a fascinating heritage, mm. mm-hmm. and you've, I'm not saying you should start 
injecting jigs and reels into the music. <laughs> I'm probably more interested in what African stuff you can bring into it. Sure. Um, but are you thinking about all that? Uh, definitely, 100%. Um, and this it's interesting because I actually know Christian and we've had a few conversations about this and he was made chief of his, his black Indian tribe in New Orleans and... I'm not descended from chiefs as such, but there is a huge weight of heritage. And particularly if you're if you're a person of colour in 2017, you can't really like go on pretending you're not who yeah. you are. And that all comes into it. So for sure. Um, and Loa is a is a name I adopted for the project and a, a kind of identity to step into. Um, and without you don't want to bash people over the head going, I'm West African, everybody. But certainly to fully express yourself as you are, as to fully express myself as I am today, there's a lot of elements. And then to create art that's only one dimensional would seem very untrue and inauthentic. Um, that said, there might be different ways of doing that. So as I develop, it may be that I do decide to take one particular genre or sound and just go with that. But I think for me, I'll always collaborate with a with a myriad of musicians to, to just express the fullness of what I have learned and have gained. Um, but yeah, my mum has this phrase, take it to the ancestors. And <laughs> whenever I'm, you know, stressed or stuck creatively. Yeah. So have you, have you looked into that on the African side of your family, the ancestors? I mean, are you descended? Every time I meet an African, musician every time and I think sometimes I think they're making it up <laughs> my my father was a griot yeah a griot a griot a griot, griot. Yeah. My, my grandfather was a griot yeah and he goes and then I think you could be just telling me <laughs> this may not be true but well, in some cases like Tumani Diabati sure. and all those guys from Mali it is the case oh know? 100% the case yeah no they're they're legit um not griot necessarily but my grandfather um did play all my uncles and play music and I actually haven't really looked into it on that side much for some reason and not yet anyway but um on my mum's side um she's got a couple of musicians in the family as well um and in Jamaica, funnily enough, because she has some Jamaican heritage, but that's a whole other story. We should have got your mother in here. <laughs> I mean, really? That's next week. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in next week. Mrs. Loa. Mrs. Loa. Yeah. And, and the name, did you did you say this already or did we have this conversation before? The name Loa as mm. well. Mm -hmm. Loa, L-O-A. Yeah. But it's originally something else, isn't it's it? It's originally Loa. It's a reference to the Haitian... Um, what would you call them, spirits or deities in Haitian voodoo who take many manifestational forms, um, different energies, different qualities, and you pray to a particular loa for whatever it is you yeah. want. And I love that idea that like this broader life consciousness can just crop up in one type of energy or entity. Um, and I kind of feel like that's my existence. Like I'm a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, so loa with a little H makes me the human version of that. <laughs> kind Very of good. Up. Yeah. Um, Christian Scott, um, again, what's the rest of his name? Because on the previous album, Christian Scott Atunde Ajua. Ajua. Yes. And after this, we play one of yours, which I think deals with the, the background a little bit more. Yeah. That's Christian Scott there with um, the eraser, which Loa, of course, everything's starting to make sense kind of accidentally, of course. <laughs> um, eraser, which is a Tom York Absolutely. piece, you know. No, we're going, I want to play another one from him because we were talking about uh, the background. Yes. Um, this one, um, Diaspora, clearly, that's what that's about. Absolutely. 
Um, you know that you did you say earlier you knew Chris? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we've we, we're mates. We've encountered each other in a few different um, circumstances. So I've had the the great privilege to hear a bit about his background, and he, you know, he calls his music stretch music, which he's trying to sort of very generously encompass all these world traditions that seem disparate and piece them together in this one central musical field. You know, and of course um, you have to be very careful doing that because I've heard people attempt that kind of thing before and somehow it gets gets mushy oh very you know? easily yeah it's not really anything anymore no 100 yeah. percent. and he i think he's quite aware of that and he's selective and it's a track by track basis it's very carefully considered it's not all at once so he's he put he's done tons of albums before he's even attempted to to try and bring this into being so this this track diaspora is a direct reference to this wider consciousness And this is Mystery Train on RTE Lyric FM. Loa is with me in studio. Loa, you're picking some great music. That's funny enough, an album I've been trying to find for the last while. The album from uh, Christian Scott Atunde. Adua. Adua. Yes, and, well worth uh, the search. And that's called Diaspora. That flute player, uh, I, you know, something you need to be very careful with flute players yep. in, in, in bands. It can go horribly wrong. Oh, yeah. But she knows what she's doing. She really, she has total command. Elena Pinderhughes. Pinderhughes. Mm-hmm. You say she's only about 20 or? Yeah, 21 now, I think. She's worked with Common. She was in the studio with Herbie Hancock recently. I mean, no one's sleeping on that girl because they're like, she's got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but you can hear there's something going on there, all right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's have one of yours. We mentioned this, uh, you know, to, again on the subject of heritage. Tell me a little bit about the language you're singing in this. Cortege. Um, Cortege is sung in, uh, it's actually sung in two languages. So there's Shabro is the main one. <clears throat> That's my grandfather's language, the language of his tribe. And only the older siblings in my dad's family actually speak it. So I wrote a poem in English, got my auntie to translate it for me into Shabro. It was a really lovely uh, experience. And um, there's like kind of Shabro societies that keep the language alive. So it's very like, it's, you know, it's really beautiful. Can you thing. say something to me in Shabro? Um, well, I can say one of the lines. That sounds great. Yeah, it's great, yeah. isn't it? And like there's something about the sound of a language what you can put across with it is very different. Like you can't make that point in English or in French. Some languages have their own culture and sentiment attached. So I just felt like for this tune, it just made total sense to. And and weirdly, people connect with this more than any of my other tunes and no one has a clue what's going on. But because my clarity of thought in singing it is so clear, it just resonates. Cortege. Beautiful stuff. That's Cortege from uh, Loa from the EP This Heart. Loa's with me in studio. We'll be back with Loa and her musical choices right after this. And this is RTE Lyric FM. This is Mystery Train. Loa is with me in studio and we're having I'm having a blast here because Loa's introducing me to all sorts of music. She's picking the tracks. Uh, we were talking about dancing there during the break, but I don't think we should really progress any further because dancing on the radio is never a success. It's sad, fun for us, but it doesn't work. But you've got you've got some moves there that oh yeah, you didn't learn those in Maynooth. Oh no, no. <laughs> well you'd be surprised what you learn in Maynooth dance wise, but uh, mostly West African. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Anyway, one of the points you made though about about dancing was that maybe hip hop mm. has has altered the the sort of the the moves and the line. And I've noticed this in my own kids. They they. 
you know, when I was their age, I, you know, we all just danced the same way. We just mm. put one leg out to one side and <laughs> kind of moved. But then um, I noticed my kids and other kids, they've got these moves, actual dance moves that oh, they yeah. do. And they try and teach me and it's not funny. You know? <laughs> but... Uh, you know, I think hip hop has actually changed it because you can study this now. You can watch, you can watch videos oh, and see yeah. how people dance. I know it's a completely we're entering a new dimension, an era of like body consciousness because everything you'd ever want to know about your body or frankly any subject is available to you at a at, at a touch. And I think it's like actually changing the cultural landscape and language of how people dance. So you're getting communities that are completely disconnected from the origin of this music, but yeah. it, they're exposed to it. They take it on as their own and take on all the movement that comes with it, which is actually incredible. I remember once, and this is a, a, this is a dance a dance I do that gets me laughed at, but mm-hmm. um, I remember um, the reggae poet, uh, Linton Kawesi Johnson, right? Mm-hmm. And he, he played this gig at a festival in Belfast and afterwards there was a, there was a reggae band playing and he, he got on the floor and he started to dance with the rest of us. But he was dancing at half the speed. Ah, yes. That we, were all, we were all doing this kind of ska thing, <laughs> you know, madness at high speed. And then there's this guy just rolling along. So yeah. I got that from him. Ah, and I good. do that and I get, I get laughed at because oh. I'm not him. Oh. But still, at least I'm trying. And anyway, here we are talking about dancing on the radio. <laughs> what next? Um, we're going to move on to one, another one of your favourites, Bjork. Oh, my goodness. But it's Bjork with... Anoni. Anoni. The artist formerly known as Anthony. Yep. And uh, the two of them are together here on a track called Atom Dance. We are each other's There you go. And that's uh, Bjork with Anoni. That's the choice of uh, Loa from the Bjork album Volnacura Strings. Yes. And, you know, it's hard to describe Bjork, really, isn't it, Loa? Because, oh. I mean, you know, as an artist yourself, you must think, is it possible to get anywhere close to what this person does? No, 100% not. She's There will only ever be one Bjork and we're thankful, thankfully living in her lifetime. That's the way I see it. She's kind of Bowie level, I think, you know. Oh, 100%. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. She yeah. can do everything. Anything, everything. And it's always so different, but it always sounds like her. Um, and it's she just has this endless capacity to keep recreating what you think the boundaries of uh, of her songs can be. It's fascinating. And she is, I suppose, as Bowie proclaimed at the beginning, mm-hmm. I'm not doing rock and roll, I'm an artist. Yes. Which, which was a sensible thing to say because it meant, it meant you could then go and do what you wanted after yeah. that, I suppose. We're going to go back to the 30s now. Yes. Uh, Robert Johnson. My old man. Oh, Robert. Do you believe the story, do you? That he uh, sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads? The yeah. I, I wouldn't, you wouldn't know what would be going on in those days, not even today, like... Well, you see, I don't know. You see, it might have been part of a showbiz kind of a shtick as well, yeah. you know, the people would turn up to see the guy who sold his soul to the devil. It. I mean, he might have just practiced a lot, a lot. for six months. <laughs> yeah, but it was that, it was, I mean, he apparently he wasn't much good. Exactly. And then, and then he kind of, <laughs> he went away for a fortnight and came yeah. back and he was brilliant. And it was freaky. Yeah, so it made sense. Rather than give him the credit of actually putting some work in, yeah. they're like, nah, it must be the devil. But there were others too, you know, there were others. Tommy Johnson's supposed to have done the same thing and yeah. and others. Yes. But then in Ireland, of course, you see, if a if, if fiddle player was was brilliant they mm. would say well he got that from the fairies you know there was always some attempt to explain 
an extraordinary gift, you know. That's so true because it does, no matter how much practice you put in, some people put in the same amount and others seem to be able to tap into this special something that isn't definable by any scientific known phenomenon. I have a picture of Robert Johnson in the house, on the wall. Uh, Someone who sold his soul to the devil. (laughs) Careful with that now. (laughs) Up beside the Sacred Heart. It's kind of confusing. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, here we go. This is is Robert Johnson. This is one of his better known tunes because uh, a lot of people in later years uh, had a lash of recording this one. Mm Uh, lovely, lovely. I'm, you know, so I remember that, Loa, what you've just done there, bringing Solange in. Uh-huh. Solange, that's Beyonce's sister. Her younger sister, yes. And um, I remember when doing this, what you're doing now, Elvis Costello came in one night doing exactly this. And in oh. the middle of it, he played this new group at the time called Destiny's Child. Oh, wow. And I said, are you serious? <laughs> I looked at him and I looked at the album cover and I went, no, no. And he said, no, he said, seriously, he said, you know, do you like Motown? I said, yeah, you yeah. like this? Yeah. And he was right. Oh, you know? yeah. Beautiful the, tunes. Oh, it was terrific. Stunning. Anyway, Solange there. And before that, in probably the first of its kind in terms of segues, Robert Johnson <laughs> and Love and Vain. Great, great choices. Um, the next one you're going to pick is, um, yeah, tell me about Hiatus Coyote. This is a okay. new one to me. Wow. This is some discovery. So this band, four um, people from Melbourne, Australia, making some of the most interesting, phenomenal soul music I've heard in the last like 10 years. And they're a real musos band um, because they seem to encompass Stevie Wonder, um, like Jay Dilla, all these like r- crucial moments in soul history, but with this really fresh, expertly produced sound. And the lead singer, Napalm, is such a stunning Napalm. creature. Napalm, yeah. Okay. She's definitely in Bjork territory. I mean, yeah, she renamed herself Do you know how Napalm. old I am now? When you say Jay Dilla, as, as crucial moments in the history of soul music, I still think Jay Dilla is new. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, he is, in fairness. Yeah. No one's done it better since, <laughs> so I, I, I'll take that. All right. Um, yeah. Well, and what's this called? So this is called Malika, which is the name of the slave character in the um, in the ballet, um, or is it, it's the opera um, by Delib. Um, oh, Lakme. Lakme. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Wow, it's a great call, that one. I don't know that outfit at all. Hiatus Coyote, Malika, choice of uh, Loa, who's with me in studio. Thank you for that recommendation in particular. so welcome. I'll certainly go and suss those people out. Oh, yeah. Um, We haven't a lot of time left, so uh, let me ask you the normal show business question. Loa, what's next for you? Well, John, um, more EP promotion. This hard EP, get it on all mediums, all platforms. And I've got a gig in the Dunleary Pavilion on Culture Night, September 22nd. It's just a duo gig myself and my guitarist, Scott Coleman. And then the week after that, I have a big show in Dublin in Tramline as part, the 29th of September, as part of Hard Working Class Heroes. Is that with full band? Full band, the whole shebang. Okay. And so it's going well, isn't it? Very well. Yeah. Really well. I'm really glad you came in because it was a delight to have you on and the music that you've picked is just just terrific. So Thank you so much. This is only our second Sunday sequence. Oh, wow. Sunday service. 
So you're the one. You're going to finish. We're going to finish with a track. Actually, I played Kamazi, Kamazi Washington earlier on, and he features on this too. Yes. Tell me, Ebeye. Uh, Ebeye, two twins from Cuba, son of the um, Congo player, Congo player from Buena Vista Social Club. Very good musical stock, but these girls are killing it with the modern sound. Signed to XL Records, and they feature Kamasi on their tracks. So I think that says it all. Loa, thanks a million, and you'll come in again sometime, will you? Happily. Thanks a million. <laughs> You've been listening to a podcast of Mystery Train with John Kelly. Mystery Train hits the rails every Sunday to Thursday at 7pm on 96 to 99 RTE Lyric FM.